Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. So I'm here with Wendy Rice and Jenna Wingate. You both work for the Cincinnati Zoo. Do you have the same job titles? Wendy, what do you do? Um, I'm the head keeper of the Africa department. So I'm the lowest level of management in, in our team. We yeah. scored the lowest level of management. <laughs> yeah, I make the schedule. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. Thank you. And Jenna, what exactly do you do for Cincinnati Zoo? Oh, man. And I'm even lower than that. No, I am one of the Africa keepers. No level of management. <laughs> but you work closely with Fiona every day. Yeah. Yes. So so what is your, what exactly is your involvement with Fiona? Um, we're both on her primary care team. So our department has six full-time keepers. And we, at this point, predominantly take care of Fiona. Um, early on when we had, you know, when she was in a much tougher place, we had roughly 30 or so people who were just involved in her everyday care every minute. Um, now that she's doing as well as she is, it's kind of whittled down to the six primary keepers who've always worked in the Africa area. Yeah. And then seasonal keepers and volunteers and interns that get to help out as well. Jenna, would you say you and Wendy have as as much access as anybody that works on her team? Yes, yeah. I'd say yeah. Um, <laughs> so given that, how big are her poops? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. She actually still only poops in the water as far as I've found. I haven't heard of anybody... Finding it on land, they'll typically poop in the water, but BB goes on land every once in a while. I was I was going to ask if that's normal. Is that normal for someone to just go in the pool like that, or do they do it on land? For a hippo, it's normal. Yeah, the males will come on land and they dung shower, so they're marking their territory and they actually dung shower. What exactly is that? <laughs> it's hard to describe, but they'll fling their tail. It's a very strong muscle back and forth really quickly, and they'll defecate at the same time and basically throw dung all over so you could be showered with dung if you don't step out of the way in time the goal there is what to repel people to (laughs) say stay away i don't like you what does that mean when they do that it's basically claiming their territory from other males so marking their scent setting up a perimeter with a smell saying yeah this this was my space these are my ladies right these are these are my ladies yeah Yeah. (laughs) so when she's swimming in the pool are there fish in the pool yeah we have tilapia in there and the tilapia were specifically chosen for that exhibit because they eat dung so they kind of have they have a job out there they're not just there to look pretty they're supposed to help us keep that pool clean so that when guests come to the zoo you can actually see a hippo underwater um since they defecate as much as they do the water gets really dirty really quickly so we have a really intense filtration system and then our 40 or so tilapia that are in that tank as well also help eat that. And they even eat the dead skin off of the hippos. They have a very symbiotic relationship. They kind of, they feed the the tilapia, get a meal out of it. The hippos get a nice exfoliating scrub out of it. And uh, it makes the whole exhibit a little bit more visually exciting too. And the hippo has no interest in the tilapia. Correct. So they're herbivores and they eat a lot of grass. And at the zoo, they get produce and uh, beet pulp for fiber but um, they don't eat meat of any sort. Yeah. So I, the fish are not appetizing. So, to as them. an herbivore, I was going to ask is there a way to sort of quantify how much food she eats every day? What, what does she currently weigh right now, Fiona? She's like around 640 pounds at this point. Was yeah. that a milestone when she reached 600 pounds? Oh, every, I mean, every pound she gains, we're all still like, yay. Don't you <laughs> wish that people celebrated? Our weight right? gain, the way that we do this hippo. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be an 
Very encouraging. He's definitely <laughs> been um, a symbol for positive body image for sure. That I think is one of the things people love about her. Like she's making fat beautiful and yeah. everybody loves it and she rocks it and she's happy and proud and <laughs> it looks good on her. She does seem proud. Yeah. You know, she does seem happy. I want, is, do you think she's aware of her fame? It feels like it. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I don't know if she knows what fame is, but I think she is a people pleaser and like enjoys crowds. She looks to crowds. The bigger the camera, the more likely she is to go right for it. Really? Yeah. And then she'll just be like, you're here for me, right? And kind of pose in front of it. Give them a second to take a photo or a video. I think it's been such a big part of her life. I mean, literally from day one, probably like the fourth or fifth hour, you know, we had our own camera team in there and all of us with our cell phones out taking pictures and video. So it's always been a part of her life and and she's very comfortable being filmed, it seems like. It's so tricky because you don't want to get too anthropomorphic because we never know what she's really thinking or feeling. We can just assume and... We take, you know, what we know about hippos and apply it to the situation. But she definitely loves people like that is 100 percent. Everybody on our team agrees. She clearly loves people and still does. And she doesn't mind if there's one in the room or 20 in the room with her. She loves all of them and she just wants to interact with them. And she seems to be enjoying her celebrity status, whether or not she's aware of it. It seems as though, like all those photo bombs, I, for a while I almost thought they were staged, but uh, it sounds like you're you're saying that these are real. She mm-hmm. loves people that much that whether it's curiosity yeah. that drives her to come over when she sees a camera, she's very uh, personal. And mm-hmm. uh, do we attribute that to just because she's been around people since she was born? Would If you were to pluck a hippo out of the wild and place them at the Cincinnati Zoo, would they be as responsive to people as Fiona is? No, you can even see a difference between Fiona and Bibi, who Bibi is a friendly hippo. She's not, you know, aggressive or anything towards us. She can obviously be dangerous if she wanted to be, but Bibi is like, she'll look at you. She'll come say hi every once in a while, but typically if you don't have any food, yeah. food, <laughs> is there no food? Oh, there's not. I think I think I'll just stay in this pool right here and be nice comfortable. Yeah. yeah, and nice Fiona's like, you. you open the door and Fiona comes running. So she definitely, you know, she grew up with people and she is a hippo and enjoys her hippo mother very much, but also seems to be excited and come running over when yeah. she sees people. It hasn't stopped, so it seems obvious a- that she likes interactions. Yeah. Seems like she she has a foot in both worlds, kind of, because, yeah, she does great with Bibi and she's very independent and they get along and she does all that fun hippo stuff that she can't do with us, like the roughhousing and the swimming and the playing. Um, But she absolutely 100 percent seems to enjoy interacting with all of her care team still very much so. She even has gotten to a point where she'll kind of like yell at us if we're leaving. <laughs> like she does all of her little bellows and vocalizations like it's her way of calling us back because she wants more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Would she ever be able to live in the wild given her <laughs> connection to humans? I think that she would be overly friendly. Like if she encountered people, if she if we picked her up and plopped her over in Africa and said, all right, you live here now. I think the first tourist group that rolled along, she would just come <laughs> right up to him and yeah. be like, hey, really? I know what you are. I like you guys. So, uh, yeah, she probably... (laughs) Would she be equipped with the skills to survive in the wild? Yeah, honestly, hippos, they they don't have predators per se. Calves would have to worry about crocodiles and and lions maybe, but um, mainly their their biggest threats are now, unfortunately, poachers and Mm. um, drought and disease that can come with that, like anthrax. So there's certain things that um, 
she would have a much harder time with it. It would be much, much harder of a life, but she would know how to go and find plenty of food, I'm sure. She would oh, yeah. just find all the grass and hang out join with the bloat. hippos. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would definitely be a different life for sure. I'm sure if she had the option, she'd probably choose to stay at the zoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> much I easier agree. life, that's for sure. I would want to stay at the zoo. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the other animals get jealous of the attention that Fiona gets? <laughs> We joke about animals. This. I don't think the animals. Maybe do. no. Uh, maybe well, some of the other keepers. Yeah. Maybe because <laughs> at this point it's like Fiona's everywhere, and we have tons of really, really cool, magical animals at our zoo. All of them have unique, interesting stories, just like Fiona's. But for whatever reason, Fiona's story resonates and has stuck, even to the point where we're a year later, and people are still talking about her and still interested and still buying merchandise. So um, no, I mean I don't think the other animals are care or jealous but sometimes it feels like maybe the other keeper staff are like i have cool animals too what's the deal <laughs> did, did you ever anticipate did anyone at the zoo ever anticipate this kind of interest no i mean i expected crowds and whatnot for the first month that when we knew we were having a baby hippo but a year in when a baby's born it mm-hmm. makes news yeah mm-hmm. there's interest mm-hmm. You, you didn't anticipate this much no. sustained interest. Right. That's the part that amazes me the most, that it's a year in and people, you know, they're still interested in hearing about her and coming to do interviews and, you know, people still coming from across the country. She's she's a baby, but she's not teeny tiny like mm-hmm. anymore. She's still adorable, of course, but she looks like a full grown hippo, just in a miniature version. There's not that babiness to her anymore, but people will still come specifically to see her. And that's I crazy. wonder what age they're not cute anymore. <laughs> well, we <laughs> love them. We think they're right, cute. Right. I mean, is there an age where, you know, you, we've we've seen stories of these adorable child actors or these babies, and then right. they reach yeah. a certain age and like, oh, yeah, you're, you reach a certain age where you're not necessarily cute anymore. I wonder if that happens with hippos. Or <laughs> I guess we'll find happen. out. <laughs> right. That's what, yeah. Uh, everyone, I, not everyone, but people seem to like hippos more these days and are are appreciating even full-grown adult hippos that aren't as cute uh, more than they ever have. So she's brought a light to hippos in general. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference between, like, the face of a baby hippo and an adult. Yeah. But we had, you know, two baby giraffe born in the same summer. And that's kind of a big deal to see two babies, and they're adorable. And, you know, three months in, and no one's coming specifically to see those babies anymore. Yeah. They might enjoy them when they're there, but. Does Fiona get fan mail? Yes. Really? Still, yes. Do you read the? Do you ever read the fan? Oh, we mail? Always, yes. yeah. Every I would think every single letter that's ever come to the zoo always ends up at our department, and a hundred percent one of our care team staff reads it. Like, and, and we still to this day appreciate it so much. And early on, it was so important. Like that. That's what got us through the tough days was knowing that we had the support of our community and that Fiona had fans and people rooting and cheering and praying for her and. It was a huge deal. It meant a lot to us. And the fact that we're still getting, she gets Christmas cards, now she the birthday cards. so many Christmas cards. So many. <laughs> Probably 30 that I saw, at yeah. least. Handmade. Like, people have, like, her scrapbookers make their own. They, wow. they use her photos. They use information that they learned about her and stuff. It's amazing. People are still sending her old school snail mail fan mail. It's the best. We love it. Yeah. She has more friends than I do. <laughs> she gets more Christmas cards exactly. than you do. Exactly. Definitely does. Do you do you ever feel do you ever feel scared as Fiona gets larger is there a healthy fear 
that kind of has to exist yeah. when you do what you do. I think we all started developing that healthy fear probably a couple hundred pounds back, right? When she started, you know, getting larger than maybe 150 pounds because she weighed more than most of us fairly early on. And her center of gravity is so low. It's like right at knee height. So she's like a little linebacker running around in there. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, some she, she could hurt us very easily without intending to um, just doing basic play behaviors. And at that point, that's when we had to kind of start stepping out and not sharing space with her as frequently and being a little bit more cautious about it. So you're not jumping in the pool swimming with her. No, no. not anymore. We miss Aww, it, though. That was the best. Yeah, so at this point, um, we're mostly hands-off because of safety, just because something could accidentally happen. But I I don't think Fiona would ever deliberately hurt anybody on her care team. She certainly doesn't have any reason to, and she still maintains relationships with all of us. So if something ever did happen, it would probably never be deliberate on her part. But accidental, I mean, there's certain realities of working with animals that weigh thousands of pounds, and in Fiona's case, hundreds of pounds. And, yeah, we just... we put those two together and we lose that battle every time. <laughs> right. If she right. comes around a corner too fast and you're in the way, you're you going to end up on new the knee. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, I think if she were calm and it was like, we we do not do this because of the risks, but I think she would sleep with her head on our lap if she had the opportunity. Um, we just, because of safety, you know, we have to play it safe. Yeah. We just don't let her have those opportunities. Coming up next... Arranged marriages in the hippo world. Has Fiona's future husband already been selected? And out of all the zoo babies in the world, why are we obsessed with Fiona? What makes her so special? We'll be back with more person of interest in a moment. And now... Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back. We are talking with Jenna Wingate and Wendy Rice, zookeepers with the Cincinnati Zoo, two of the people charged with the responsibility of taking care of Fiona, the baby hippo. So I guess you could argue these are persons of interest. How do you even get that job? Plus, out of all the zoo babies, why is the world obsessed with Fiona? What makes her so special? We'll get to both those here in a minute. But first, my understanding is, is, is there a registry for breeding animals in captivity? Yeah. So for most species that we have in our zoo, there's actually an SSP or a species survival plan. So we work collaboratively with other zoos around the country and sometimes internationally as well with the hopes that we never have to bring animals out of the wild. So the idea is that if we work together, when we decide who's going to breed with who and how offspring are going to, where they're going to end up in the country, we focus on genetic variety and things like that. Um, if we work cooperatively together, we can maintain a captive population of animals that is healthy many, many years into the future and has enough genetic variety. So you're not getting inbreeding and things like that. Um, so there is an SSP for hippos as well. So yeah, even before... Henry and BB wound up at the Cincinnati Zoo. Somebody sat at a desk and looked at their genetics and looked at their family lines and decided those two would be a good pair. So that was an arranged marriage. Yeah. Wow. So Henry did, loved have, it. Have we picked up Fiona's uh, future husband yet? Oh, uh, no. Uh -oh. A little far off for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, eventually it'll, it's almost like a big family tree and you find the best genetic diversity. So that'll be done in a, on a scientific basis more than... Like, oh, there's another hippo right. the same age. More or... It's not like you swipe right. You right. Know. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not as much and not as many options either. Um, 
There's a couple other baby hippos around the country right now, and maybe many, many years into the future, somebody might pair Fiona up with somebody. Um, but at this point, we're just happy and content to have Bibi and Fiona both doing well and happy at the zoo together. And that's probably going to be our setup for several years into the future at this point. What's your What's your favorite part? Uh, Jenna, let's start with you. What's your favorite part about working with Fiona? Right now or overall, you know, the whole thing? Because you didn't know she'd make it. Yeah, we did not know. I actually, yeah, for a while we were very guarded. weren't sure if she would should if she would make it, and we tried not to get her hopes up. Mm. Um, yeah, overall, working with her, getting to do once in a lifetime care of an animal that you know you never thought you'd be cuddling with or or bottle feeding or whatnot. Obviously, we always hope for the best and hope that the mother can raise it. But when the outcome is that, you know, humans have to step in and it turns out positive and something once, you know, it's never been done before. As far as any records we can find, a premature hippo being hand raised and surviving. I mean, that's the coolest part. I've worked with this once in a lifetime animal that I formed a really strong bond with. And she's so much fun. How'd you get this job? Uh <laughs> I specifically did a lot of internships throughout college and after college. What'd you study? Uh, biology and uh, animal behavior. Where I went to Indiana University and they didn't have a zoology degree, so I did biology. Biology. And they had an animal um, behavior minor. And then um, did a few internships and then came to the Cincinnati Zoo and did two in a row and refused to leave and did part-time jobs for quite a while before I uh, became a full-time keeper just because... We all love our job. There isn't much turnover rate. And yeah, uh, yeah I was, wasn't was willing to leave. I wanted to stay at the Cincinnati Zoo. So it took me a while, but then how I got my dream job. How long have you been at this? Um, I have been, I started the zoo in 2009. So what is that, eight years now? Yeah. Yeah. And Wendy, what about you? Your uh, favorite part, let's start with your favorite part about working with Fiona. I think my favorite part of working with Fiona is, Jenna touched on it earlier, is that um when you work in a zoo environment with animals that are under human care, the goal at the end of the day is always that we use them to educate the public and hopefully, you know, share the stories about what's going on in the wild. So at the end of the day, Fiona is an ambassador for all hippos. And Fiona, probably more so than any other hippo in existence, has done such an amazing job of showing people what an incredible species they are. They're so unique. They're so charismatic. There's so many things biologically about them that is so cool. The more you learn about them, you're like, what? That's the craziest thing ever. And I love hippos so much, and I always have. They've been my favorite animal ever since I was a kid. And I walk around saying, why is the whole world not obsessed with hippos? They're amazing. And then we get Fiona, and now all of a sudden we have a story that people want to hear. And we have a platform to share all of the good work that zoos are doing. And it's been amazing to be able to say to people, you know, we... We're living in the time of blackfish. People are questioning whether or not animals should be in captivity and whether or not they're well taken care of. And Fiona is like the ultimate example of, look, this is what a good accredited zoo does with their animals. This is the work that goes into them. This is the love. This is the science behind it. Um, so having her has you know, given us an opportunity to showcase everything that's right with good zoos and people are paying attention and they're responding well to it. And that's really encouraging. So I love that element of her story that... 
people are actually listening when we talk now. What, what, what about hippos do you find so interesting? Everything. They're so, well, first of all, I is love. Their behavior, their, their physical gi- makeup. What is, yes, the way yeah. they look. They're just fat and giant and wonderful and everything about them. They're designed so perfectly for the environment that they live in and their ears, their eyes, their nostrils all sit right on top of their skulls so they could be like completely submerged, but they're still paying attention to everything going on on the surface and um, they're, they're, the noises they make, the smells they make, they're just really entertaining to me. I love them. <laughs> How long do they live? Um, you know, they can sometimes live well into their 50s or even 60s sometimes in the zoo environment, but um, typically 35 years or so is about average lifespan. Yeah. So they're pretty long-lived. They're one of the longer-lived species you'd work with. How'd you get this job? Um, I started. You're a zookeeper, right? Yes. Technically, that's your title is a yes. zookeeper. Yeah, we're zookeepers. Yeah. Um, so I started, I went to the University of Kentucky, and I have a degree in biology as well, minor in psychology. And I did my first internship at the Memphis Zoo, and hippos were one of the very first animals I got to work with. And I fell in love immediately. Like, I thought I might have wanted to be a vet or a doctor, but as soon as I tried zookeeping, I was hooked. Mm. Um, so like Jenna, you do a lot of internships and volunteering. Um, it's a really competitive field. We once heard a statistic that there are more open positions for NFL players every year. Oh, no kidding. Than there are for zookeepers. I didn't realize it was that competitive. It is. There are a lot of, because it's an amazing job. I mean, you get to do things that so few people get to do. So it's highly competitive. Um, So you work for free a lot for a long time. (laughs) And then timing is just so important. If you're in the right place at the right time, you've paid your dues and, you know, you've shown that you're committed and you're hardworking and everything. Um, Somebody graces you with that first paid position and you kind of work your way up from there. But yeah, so much of it is timing and just, being in the right place at the right time. What kind of hours you guys keep in this job? <laughs> well, we typically are doing like 40 hours a week. With Fiona, we were doing like 70 hours a week at those first few months, and mm. it was absolutely exhausting. Worth it, but exhausting. Mm-hmm. And um, But we work holidays and weekends, and, you know, the animals still need taken care of on Christmas. And You're not doing 8.30 to 5.30? Actually, well, once in a while, yeah. We do like 7 to 3.30 is our typical shift, and then when there's a closing shift that okay. we all rotate. Um, but yeah, sun or shine or, you know, there could be three inches of snow or ice out there. We still have to find a way to get here you gotta be there. to take care of your critters. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of similar to being a nurse and in, in a way, I feel like you're caring for something and, you know, you have to be there every day. You have to help out every day. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bit similar. And I don't know. My sister's a nurse. So I always feel like. <laughs> We have a lot of similarities, except for a lot of times she's getting new patients where we get to kind of grow up with the animals we care for. Fiona's brought a lot of people to the Cincinnati Zoo that maybe not would not have necessarily considered it. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the renewed interest and the amount of people that Fiona has attracted to the zoo. What do people need to pay attention to more besides Fiona? Oh, that's a good question. It's a good question. I think if you... There's something to learn everywhere. And I think it's easy to walk through the zoo and take maybe a minute or two at each exhibit and stare at the animal and then move on. But if you actually stop and read some of those graphics or if you see a keeper or one of our volunteer staff around and start asking questions, um, there's so many amazing stories out there, so many amazing animals. Right now we've got a brand new indoor gorilla habitat that we just built which is incredible because you can get like literally nose to nose as close as you can get to our hippos. You can now do that with gorillas and gorillas are hugely popular, always have been. And we have three babies. Um, We're going to be getting, I think a new bachelor group. So 
Gorilla World is definitely like the hot new exhibit probably coming in spring and summer this year. It's open now, but... And their faces are so expressive. Yes. Too. Yeah. Out of all the animals, is there a face that's more expressive than... Primates are definitely... Yeah, primates, I was yeah. going to say. Bonobos are something to check out. Um, I don't think there are more than seven or so uh, zoos in North America that um, have bonobos. And there's also the insect house is really neat. Um, a lot of people avoid it because they don't want to see spiders or whatnot. But it's really cool on the facts you can learn in there. The leaf cutter ants. I could listen to people talk about them and watch them for hours. They're so fascinating. And then um, we also have our, our black rhino baby, Kendi, who is critically endangered and very important. And his birth, unfortunately, was a little overshadowed because of Fiona. But his birth was much more um, important for his species. Um, he's and he's he puts on a show. He is so fun to watch. Um, we have really cool. The reptile house is the oldest building in any zoo in North America. And again, people avoid that going in once in a while. They're afraid of snakes, but obviously, nothing can harm you. And you should learn about them. Yeah. So there's a lot of different places to check out for sure. Let's talk about the emotional roller coaster you guys were on, especially in the beginning. What 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 was that like for you two? Fiona was amazing because it is hands down the most stressful thing I've ever been through in my entire life because, you know, her situation was so precarious for so long there and we didn't know if she was going to make it. And the fact that we were being so public about it meant that if we failed, everybody was going to know about it. Everybody was going to feel it right along with us. So in some ways that was that made it even scarier because it was happening publicly. But it was also um, something that, yeah, it brought our team together and there were certain elements of it that even if you go home and you talk to your spouse or your the rest of your family about what happened with Fiona today, they just can't fully understand it, but your teammates can. So, And we leaned on each other quite a bit with all that stuff emotionally. And then certainly with Henry afterwards, with everything that happened, it was, it was so tough and it still is. And yeah, it's the kind of thing that, again, it's just the people who are working right there alongside of you know exactly what it's like and nobody else really can, so... I mean, I was terrified when, you know, our PR team wanted to walk in that day and, and be a part of it from day one because we I honestly didn't think she was going to survive the very first day. And and it's it was so it was really scary. And I was like, what are you doing? We're just going to disappoint everyone. But we'd already done the ultrasound. Everyone knew BB was pregnant. So why not just show the world how much we care and what really goes into her? And I think that's part of the reason that she was so Pop, or still is so popular is because they saw the, her growing up, all the struggles we went through. And um, I don't know, I think that was the most important part to Fiona's story and why now people might care about hippos more and why and how Fiona is now helping her wild counterparts is because of all of that that was put out there for everyone to see. So as we were hesitant at first about it, I think it's the best thing, best thing we could have done for hippos in the wild and also for animals in great zoos also because now people can see what really goes into it like I saw my work people or half the time we were working nights by ourselves you know like you didn't even see your work friends or co-workers um as much but Fiona in that hippo building more than I saw my own dogs and my husband and my house and we weren't eating real meals or sleeping or you know like we put everything into that and so yeah it definitely I think our, our team is probably stronger than ever now. Do you think there would have been as much public interest in Fiona had your PR team not documented her growth from the very beginning, with struggles and all? 
Right, and they hadn't been showing that the whole way through. If it were like, oh, she's a month old now, and then we're like, surprise, everyone, guess what? This baby was born a month ago. We didn't know she would survive, but she did, and here she is. I don't think it would have had the same effect It was helpful having people ride that emotional roller coaster with you. Yes, absolutely. Helped us, too. It's like... Oh, good. You're crying. I'm allowed to cry. Oh, yeah. you're you're cheering me on. Thank you. I needed that today or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And even just so many, there were so many times when people's like practical application, just life knowledge or having had a preemie actually came in handy quite a bit too. And um, yeah, somebody on our marketing team, it was her idea to contact Children's Hospital and say, hey, they have that vascular access team that that's all they do is hit those hard to reach veins. And, and we're all convinced they saved Fiona's mm-hmm. life that day. And um, and again, it was because it was such a team effort. We had people writing in advice and suggestions. And anytime she was having like a little health hurdle, hurdle or struggle or anything, people were saying, like when she was having a hard time um, bottle feeding because she was teething, you wouldn't believe some of the recommendations <laughs> we got. And have you tried like a hottie toddy and rub some whiskey on her gums and stuff? I mean, stuff that we didn't. But, you know, people you tried. Yes, people were making every effort they could. People felt like they could contribute and they could help and Thanks to it being the internet age and social media, they could. And and even if it was just with, you know, kind words and supportive words, they did. Everybody, it was definitely a team win. Like, everybody contributed to Fiona's success. People who probably don't even realize they did. Jenna Wingate, Wendy Rice, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. If you found today's guests and the subject matter as interesting as we did, send us an email to POI, which stands for Person of Interest, POI at WKRQ.com. And feel free to make a suggestion for a future Person of Interest. We'll be producing more of these episodes in the coming months, so be sure to check back and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.